Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Thanks for being here. Hope everyone had a enjoyable and safe uh, Thanksgiving. Last week, I announced the nominations and staff for critical foreign policy and national security positions. A first-rate team that's going to keep us safe and secure. President-elect Joe Biden faces a pretty impossible task here in trying to assemble a cabinet that pleases everyone. Today, I have the pleasure, I have the pleasure of announcing key nominations and appointments for the critical economic positions in the administration. He's trying to please moderates and progressives within the Democratic Party. He's also trying to appeal to Republicans who will likely have some control in approving his cabinet. The team meets this moment, this team behind me. He's trying to appeal to various Groups including the Congressional Hispanic Caucus, the Congressional Black Caucus, Asian American communities as well. He's trying to make history by appointing record numbers of women, trying to do it as quickly as he can, trying not to make anybody angry. And, you know, so far, of course, it's not going to be an easy road. And he's already getting some criticism from many members of each of those communities I just named who want to see more representation than they're getting so far. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today, Megan Casella on why Joe Biden's cabinet picks are taking heat from both sides of the aisle. So the earliest round of cabinet picks and personnel picks we saw from Biden was really focused on some of his closest aides and longtime loyalists. President-elect Joe Biden now has his White House chief of staff. Officials close to the decision say that Ron Klain has accepted the job. Klain served as Biden's chief of staff during the opening years of his vice presidency. It wasn't quite surprising, but it was heavily white. We saw Ron Klain named as chief of staff. Um, We saw Tony Blinken named as secretary of state. and others that really started to raise some concerns that a lot of these highest profile positions were going to longtime aides and therefore were not nearly as diverse as many folks wanted, particularly after Biden pledged to create a cabinet that looked like America. I said at the outset, I wanted to represent this campaign to represent and look like America. We've done that. Now that's what I want the administration to look like and act like. Um, So that first round started some pushback. And then, you know, we, we saw the campaign start to shift there. Yes, yeah, since some of those original announcements, Biden has made several more cabinet picks. Uh, Janet Yellen as Secretary of Treasury, the first woman who could hold that position. You might have to uh, ask uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda, who wrote the musical about the first Secretary of Treasury, Hamilton, to write another musical about the first woman Secretary of the Treasury, Yellen. So that's what I'm working on right now, Janet. Um, one of the most racially diverse economic teams we've seen, and an all-women communications team. I mean, do you think we have seen a tangible shift in Biden's White House choices since that initial criticism? And do you think we've also seen a shift in any of the criticism that he's received? We've definitely seen Biden start to announce a really diverse pool of candidates. Alejandro Mayorkas will be the first immigrant to lead the Department of Homeland Security if he's confirmed. Um, Neera Tanden would be the first woman of color to lead the Office of Management and Budget. And so we've seen a really diverse economic team in particular as sort of the latest round of picks that Biden has rolled out. A first-rate team that's going to get us through this ongoing economic crisis 
and help us build the economy back, not just build it back, but build it back better than it was before. Interestingly, the National Economic Council, we've reported, is going to be led by Brian Deese, who's an Obama veteran um, and a white man. And he wasn't announced at Tuesday's event announcing the rest of the economic team. A team that's tested and experienced. It includes groundbreaking Americans who come from different backgrounds, but who share my core vision for economic relief here in the United States of America. And there's some speculation, of course, that that was done to not draw away from the very diverse rest of the economic team that was announced. Uh, They didn't want to announce the white man along with the rest of this history-making pool of economic candidates. We are still hearing some pushback, however, from outside groups and from lawmakers who say while there are reasons to cheer and reasons to be happy, they're still concerned that some of the highest profile positions are not as diverse as they would like them to be, and some of the most prominent ones as well. Um, Jim Clyburn, for example, the most senior Black House lawmaker and a close Biden ally who really carries some weight in the community actually spoke out publicly last week about this and saying that so far the diversity that he was seeing was really not good. We're hearing that from members of the Congressional Hispanic Caucus. We're hearing that from Asian American lawmakers and and members of the community as well. And so it really underscores that as much as Biden is doing, and even though with almost every new announcement they're highlighting the first woman to do this or the first person of color to do that, they're still running into obstacles. And I think part of the reason is just that the standards are really, really high. They set really high expectations for themselves and really lofty goals. And there's so many boxes that they want to check and and so many communities that they want to make sure are represented in the cabinet. But with a really limited pool of those highest profile positions, it's hard to make everybody happy. And that's what they're running into now. Do you think some of that comes from the Biden campaign's attempt to, you know, sort of try to create such a broad coalition, like bringing together moderate Democrats, progressive Democrats, people who formerly backed Bernie Sanders. I'm proud of the coalition we put together, the broadest and most diverse coalition in history. Democrats, Republicans, independents, progressives, moderates, conservatives, young, old, urban, suburban, rural, gay, straight, transgender, white, Latino, Asian, Native American. Do you think it is possible to keep everybody who he campaigned for happy in this situation? I think it's going to be really, really difficult. You know, part of what makes it hard to bring so many people under the same umbrella is that everybody wants to make sure their community is represented. So one aspect of the diversity is not only racial or gender, but it's also ideological diversity. So they want to make sure that they're balancing progressive and more moderate candidates with Black, Hispanic candidates with women and men, with LGBT, with disabled candidates. And so there's so many different communities, Native American as well as we may see the first Native American cabinet secretary. And so with so many different communities now being represented, it may be harder for them to meet some of the goals that even previous Democratic presidents could meet. Um, You know, Obama had three Asian Americans, for example, in his cabinet at the start of his term. And Asian Americans this time around are concerned they may not hit that goal. And part of that might be because they're looking to make sure that they also appoint, you know, a Native American, for example, as well. And so there's so many different goals that they want to make sure that they're meeting. We've been talking mostly about the response on the left to Joe Biden's picks here um, from his own party, from progressives. But each of these cabinet choices are going to face, you know, a grueling confirmation process, potentially under a Republican-led Senate What sort of reaction have we seen from the right to Biden's choices? 
Overall, I think, especially at the start, it was pretty measured. I mean, we've seen a number of Republicans in the Senate come out and say that they feel Biden deserves to have a cabinet, that they wanted to give him a lot of room to maneuver here and to operate and to nominate who he wanted. But there's caveats to that. And they also were saying, you know, as long as the people are qualified and fairly mainstream. And so the first candidate that we are seeing some major pushback to is Neera Tandon to the Office of Management and Budget. Let's throw John Cornyn's statement up there on the screen. Yesterday said, quote, I think in light of her combative and insulting comments about many members of the Senate, mainly on our side, of the aisle. It creates certainly a problematic path, maybe his worst nominee so far. She's someone who would make history as the first woman of color to lead that agency. But as the president of the Center for American Progress, a liberal think tank, she's she's sort of made some enemies. She's been really prolific on Twitter. And even Susan Collins says, quote, I did not know her much about her, but I've heard she's a very prolific user of Twitter. I really don't have anything further to say. And Republicans seem to be keeping that in mind. I think that's going to be one of the first uh, big fights that we see over a cabinet confirmation, particularly if Republicans hold control of the Senate next year. Do you expect anybody to legitimately face difficulty getting through the confirmation process here? I think it would be Tandon. So far, she's the one that if I had to pick somebody that might face difficulty, I would pick her just because of the comments we're seeing so far from Republicans. Um, I think it was John Cornyn who called her radioactive as a nominee, um, and others were sort of suggesting that maybe it was a mistake for Biden to nominate her simply because what president-elect wants to come in and spend political capital on an, a confirmation. You know, they most likely want to come in and, and just be able to get their cabinet through as quickly as possible and, and then get to work. Megan Casella, thanks so much for talking with me. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. Also today, after months of a stalemate, lawmakers on Capitol Hill look like they're making some movement on coronavirus relief, but a major package being approved this month remains elusive. In a significant breakthrough on Tuesday, a bipartisan congressional group struck a broad compromise for a $908 billion proposal, and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi restarted her talks with Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin. But congressional leaders still appear miles apart, with Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell reviving his own targeted relief bill on Tuesday, even though it has not won support from Democrats a move that received pushback from two Republican senators, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska and Susan Collins of Maine, who say their bipartisan proposal stands a far better shot at becoming law. And a top official in the Georgia Secretary of State's office is condemning President Trump and the state's two Republican senators, David Perdue and Kelly Leffler, after a local election worker received death threats. In a press conference on Tuesday, Gabriel Sterling, who works for Republican Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, said an election contractor in Gwinnett County had received death threats after conspiracy theorists spread videos of the worker on social media. He slammed the president over his refusal to accept the election results, saying, quote, Stop inspiring people to commit potential acts of violence. Someone is going to get hurt. Someone is going to get shot. Someone is going to get killed. And it's not right. President-elect Joe Biden won the Southern Battleground State in last month's election. But since Biden's victory, Trump has continued to claim without evidence that his loss 
was fraudulent. Subscribe to Politico Dispatch wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, check out some of our other shows like Nerdcast, Politico Energy, Women Rule, Pulse Check, and Global Translations. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.